0: For those of you who are married, I'd like to begin with a little thought experiment. Go back in time to that day when you were standing at the altar, holding the hands of your spouse-to-be and pledging yourself to that person for better, for worse, until parted by death. Go there for a moment and ask yourself this question. Did I have any idea what I was getting myself into? No, you didn't. <laughs> now, sure, it's not like this was the very first time you'd ever laid eyes on your future spouse. Most likely, you had both given this moment a lot of thought and prayer. You had sought wisdom from those closest to you, perhaps even done some premarital counseling so that you'd be better prepared for what this new season in life would bring. But still, in that moment... You could not have known what this marriage would entail, how this person might change, how your future together would unfold. Even now for me, 22 years later, as Abby and I will celebrate this week, our life together is still full of uncertainties and unknowns. It's still a journey of discovery. We are still trying to figure out what we've gotten ourselves into. Now imagine that prior to your wedding, if you had tried to square off every question and doubt you had, if you had tried to figure out exactly what married life was going to look like, how this person was going to change, know every single thing about them, and all as a way of, a, of trying to achieve some kind of security, some kind of ironclad guarantee of what your future would hold before making such a big decision. What would have happened if this was your approach? Well, for one, you would have never gotten married. Because there's no way of really knowing what marriage is until you enter into it. And even then, you're still figuring things out and fumbling your way through. And so on your wedding day, the best you could say was this. I am about to enter into a new existence. And I'm going to go for it. Not because I have settled all the matters from the outside, but because I believe that this is worth it, even as I realize that I'm never going to fully understand married life. And then you took a leap of faith, entrusting yourself to another person, learning to live within that new and uncertain reality. My friends, I believe the same is true when it comes to our life with God. Our life of faith. It's a learning on the job kind of life. It's an entrusting of oneself to the divine majesty, not knowing how things will play out. Which means we will always live with a mix of belief and doubt, never completely sure about all the ways of God. But nevertheless, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give myself fully over to this God revealed in Jesus Christ because I find him so compelling that it is worth everything to take this leap of faith and fumble my way forward. I think this is why we love the Apostle Peter so much. Not because he has a blind faith, but because he doesn't wait to figure everything out before he jumps out of the boat. He doesn't have to square off every question before he puts his foot in his mouth. No, Peter loves to learn on the job. Out there on the field, following this rabbi named Jesus. Making more missteps than most of us would be comfortable with. Yet in the process, getting to know the face of God more intimately than most anybody else. As a pastor, I have the privilege of speaking with many different people about their life with God, about their, their life of faith. And one of the many things that I have discovered is that our expectations, our assumptions about what a thriving life with God is supposed to look like is often way off base. And so like the one trying to square off every question about marriage before moving forward, we, we too get stuck trying to square off every question when it comes to our life with God. It's as if we view faith as finding certainty about things, having solved whatever theological problems are vexing us, arriving at a a set of nice and neat answers to all those doubts that creep into our life from time to time. But my friends, this is not the life of faith at all. This actually is the opposite of the life of faith. It's a life of certainty, a static existence where one thinks they know all the answers, and yet in the end, it's nothing but an illusion. If you're waiting for certainty to arrive when it comes to your faith, or even worse, if you think you've already arrived at certainty, you are completely misunderstanding the life of faith. The life of faith is not arriving at some destination. It's a journey into the unknown. And yes, we we have our reasons, of course. It's not a blind faith. But as with marriage, we we ultimately don't know what this life with God is going to look like. We don't know how things are going to play out. This is why we call it faith. (laughs) Faith is, by definition, marked by uncertainty. Living with questions and doubts, fumbling forward, making mistakes, learning and relearning what it means to follow this Jesus. Peter understood this that faith is always a fumbling forward to Jesus. You know, the gospel writers could have easily glossed over all of Peter's many mistakes and portrayed him as this man who had everything figured out from the very beginning. Think about it. He, he is the first disciple whom Jesus called. He's always named first among the 12 apostles. He is part of Jesus' inner circle, again, always listed first, Peter, James, and John. He's, he's also the first disciple to name Jesus as the Messiah. And so he is pronounced as the rock upon which Christ will build his church. You remember when the Holy Spirit descended with power on the day of Pentecost, it is Peter who stands up and addresses the crowd, preaching a sermon that results in 3,000 people coming to faith. What an incredible man of God. And yet, with all of this on his resume, as the gospel writers make clear, His is a faith that still fumbles forward. Because we also know that it is Peter who keeps the children away from Jesus. It is Peter who tries to deter Jesus from the cross, leading Jesus to rebuke him, saying, Get behind me, Satan. It is Peter who blurts out things he doesn't understand when Jesus is transfigured on the mountain. It is Peter who at first refuses Jesus' request to wash his feet, and then he swings the pendulum all the way to the other side when he mistakenly asks Jesus to just wash his entire body. <laughs> it is Peter who draws a sword when Jesus is arrested, cutting off the ear of the high priest's slave. And it is Peter who pledges to lay down his life for Jesus just moments before He denies him three times. My goodness, Peter's is a faith that fumbles forward. Our gospel passage today is to vintage Peter. In this story, he's impulsive, eager, daring before sinking down into the waters in need of a swift rescue. A beautiful snapshot of the life of faith, but just another day in the life of Peter. (laughs) I don't know about you, but his wouldn't be my first impulse. If I'm stuck out on a boat, far from land, I'm caught in a storm, only to look up and be terrified by this ghostly figure coming to me across the top of the waves. And even after Jesus assures us that it is really him, the thought would have never crossed my mind to say what Peter said. Lord, if it really is you, command me to come out there on the water. (laughs) What? That's what you want to say, Peter? What are you thinking? But that's just it. His impulses are far ahead of his rational mind. He's not waiting to figure this out. He's wanting to come to Jesus. He's wanting to go for it. Jesus is is too compelling for him to just sit there in the boat making his calculations, making sure he's on the right track. No, Lord, if it's you, bid me to join you out there on the water. (laughs) And with that bizarre request, again, there's another surprise in the story. As Jesus actually accepts Peter's invitation. He says, sure thing, the water's nice, come on out here. I'm glad you're laughing because we should all chuckle a bit more when we read this story. What an extraordinary chain of events. And and so there he goes, Peter. He he walks across the water. His faith moving him forward closer and closer to Jesus. But then his brain catches up with him. Wait a minute. I'm a a fisherman. I grew up on the water. This, This isn't how things work out here. The wind, the waves, the water, this doesn't make any sense. And and so down he goes, crying out for help. His leap of faith now faltering. But it's okay, right? Because since he has moved toward Jesus, it just means Jesus is right there to lift him up out of the water and put him back in the boat. Of all the disciples on the boat that day, Peter is now the only one with a testimony. Peter is now the only one who can say that he encountered Jesus out there on the water and was saved by him. Peter is the only one who truly learned that day what the life of faith is all about. fumbling forward. Too often we assume that the life of faith is, is about only what you believe. About how strong your convictions are. Or about how well you can articulate the truths of Christianity. All of which can be done from within the safety and security of a boat. Yet throughout the witness of scripture, faith is primarily not a thing to believe. It's not a noun. It's a verb. It's not something you possess. It's something that you do. It's it's an activity. Faith is... A movement toward God, even as our convictions waver with uncertainty. You see, the life of faith is a tension between doubt and trust that is meant to lead us ever deeper into a mysterious relationship with our risen Savior. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, in a a well-known passage from his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he comments on our story, and he says this, Peter had to leave the ship and risk his life on the sea in order to learn both his own weakness and the almighty power of his Lord. If Peter had not taken the risk, he says, he would never have learned the meaning of faith. Peter would have never learned that faith is a fumbling forward to Jesus. Personally, my favorite story of Peter also has to do with a time when he jumps out of the boat and into the water to get to Jesus. I don't know if you remember this story. It occurs at the end of John's Gospel, after Jesus had been resurrected. Now, Peter hasn't seen Jesus since he denied him three times that night before his crucifixion, and so imagine how heavy that fumble is sitting in his heart. But then, days later, while Peter is on the Sea of Galilee fishing again, not having any luck, a stranger standing on the beach tells him to throw his nets on the other side of the boat. Yeah, right, like we haven't thought of that before. Thanks very much. But sure enough, Peter does so. And they catch so many fish that they can't even haul them all into the boat. And that's when Peter realizes who the stranger is. It's Jesus. And so what do you think Peter's going to do? What do you think his fumbling forward life of faith has taught him to do? Exactly. Peter leaps out of the boat and into the water and swims to shore to see his savior. Where together they break bread and Jesus restores Peter once again. This my friends is what a lively faith looks like. It's not one that has all the answers. It's it's not one that is never confused or mad at God. It's not one that patiently figures out all the ins and outs of what Christians are supposed to believe on this matter and on that matter before you do anything. No. Faith is always a fumbling forward to Jesus. Like marriage. It's about moving into the unknown and trusting oneself to another, not knowing how things will play out. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief, right? Because I'm going to go for it. I'm going to give myself fully over to Jesus because I find him so compelling that it is worth everything I have and everything I am to take this leap of faith and fumble my way to him. And he'll catch you. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you invite us into this wonderful life of unknown and uncertainty and waves and wind, but that you promise to be with us. Lord, thank you that we don't have to have everything figured out, but that we can move forward fumbling along our way and that you are there to restore us time and time again. Lord, help us not to be fearful. Help us not to be static. Help us not to sit, but help us to move forward trusting that you are with us. We pray this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.